It is my turn now, Dennis? Okay, good, excellent. Wonderful. Welcome, folks. It's uh, great to have you here. If you're um, here for the first time, even more great to have you here. Wonderful. Uh, my name's Graham. I'm the minister here, if you don't know me. Uh, friends, um, have your Bibles open. I'm, I'm glad to hear the memory verse was mentioned. Uh, there'll be a quiz at the end of today uh, and um, a test, and it is for assessment. Um, uh, hope you've learned it. It's a great passage. Hope you've wrote it on your fridge, put it on the back of the toilet door, uh, wherever you learn memory verses. I hope you did that. Um, so have your Bibles open. In uh, the bulletin that you got, that I don't seem to have, oh, here it is, here we go, there's a yellow outline, you might want to write some things down and follow along there as we open God's word. Let's pray as we, uh, if we do just that. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for this morning, uh, thank you for the sunshine, we thank you for uh, the beauty of the world around us. Lord, we pray for the beauty of your people gathering together and uh, we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, thank you, God, that you're God who speaks to us. Help us to be people that listen and put into practice what you uh, tell us to do and as we live lives um, worthy of what you've done for us. So, Lord, uh, help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, word is to be a local in this town. This is the criteria. I've been here for about six, seven weeks... I'm learning. This is what I have to do. You need to have your great-grandparents and grandparents buried in the cemetery. <laughs> and, of course, holes dug for you and your wife and children and, of course, your parents. Cremation, nah, cremation doesn't cut it. have to be buried up there. Living in town for 30 years simply means you're a tourist. <laughs> you're a tourist. You're just, you're just passing through. You're a stranger. Being born here helps, but it has to be a home birth on Hoddle Street. <laughs> the hospital at Barrel, no, nah, doesn't, rules you out. And if you've ever bought anything from Woolies or Coles, and dare I say it, Audi, and therefore have not bought locally, well, you might as well move to Albion Park, you don't belong here. Uh, <laughs> God says to us today, through his Apostle Peter, the last in our series of uh, We Are, we've called it, that followers of Jesus, God's chosen people, are not locals in this world. And that includes Robertson, even if you met the above criteria. We are aliens and strangers, nothing to do with green little men, don't worry, Aliens and strangers, Peter writes, and our home, our home is heaven. We're not locals here, we're locals there. We don't belong here, we belong there. Yet, we are here. Peter follows up these extraordinary verses in, in chapter 2, 9 to 10, with this greeting you see in verse 11, dear friends, more literally it's beloved. Uh, beloved, beloved by God and no doubt of course beloved uh, by the apostle as well. By God's mercy, if you flick back to chapter 1 verses 3 and 4, they have been born into a living hope, 
a living hope, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. A real and certain hope. They are recipients of God's prophetic promises. They are God's chosen people who will inherit heaven. In fact, beloved is the honoured title that accompanies everyone whose spiritual reality and eternal destination is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus, they're a new nation, a holy nation. They've got a new passport. They've got a new citizenship, a new home. We are simply passing through. So Peter urges... God's people to live here in this wilderness world as those who have been given by God's mercy a citizenship in heaven. Not to be tethered to this world. It's it's, it's not your home. You're an alien. A temporary resident here. You don't belong. Instead, be tied to heaven. Don't live like you belong here, live like you belong there. So 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. ...against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Peter makes two appeals. Can you see him? Two appeals... They're written on your notes as well. Um, (laughs) Two appeals. The first one is abstain. Abstain. And the second one is live such good lives. We're going to get challenged this morning, folks. Uh, It's one of those ones where we'll walk away and we're going to be challenged in God's word. I hope you are anyway. First then, abstain. Abstain means to to hold back. Uh, So when morning tea comes and those wonderful cakes are there, I'm going to abstain most of the time, because I want this to stay, well, the thin will be nice, but anyway, I'm going to abstain. Abstain means to hold back, to, to be far off from, to withdraw. Abstain from simple, sinful desires which war against your soul. Here's Peter's appeal. Peter's appeal is quite simply, stay alive. Stay alive. Make sure you get home. That's what his appeal is. Make sure you get home because temptations, sinful desires, sinful passions and so on are determined to kill off your soul. They're determined to make sure you don't get home. There was a a a web post that went viral recently by this engineer called Kynan Eng. He worked out that... um, He worked out what it would take in real time and real dollars to bring Matt Damon home from all his movies. Have you seen Matt Damon movies? Um, The the total amount he worked out would be over $1 trillion. So let me give you a bit of a clue here. So here's Matt Damon, Saving Private Ryan, that's a World War II movie, Europe search party, Western Front, that sort of stuff. Um, done on the cheap to bring Matt Damon home would cost about $141,900. Bargain. Interstellar, well, the problem with Interstellar, it's a bottom, bottom left, he's a baddie in Interstellar, but anyway. Interstellar, you've got to build a spaceship, and I think it involved time travel, so very expensive, $709 billion. Um, 
The Martian, the Martian, well, for a trip to Mars and back, you know, all the technology that with it, only 284 billion. How about that? But the real bargain was Syriana. Syriana, which simply involved a Middle East private firm, private security return flight, um, just some pocket change, 70,950 to bring Matt Damon home. Friends, um, Peter's message to his readers today, uh, God's message to us, in chapter 2, verse 11, is simple. It's stay alive. Stay alive. Make sure you get home. Make sure you get home. So what are then these sinful desires that don't want us to get home? What are these sinful desires that war against us? Well, if you've got your Bible open, I hope you do, because you've got to make sure I'm saying what God's saying. Um, 1 Peter 14 and 15. 1 Peter 1, sorry, verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So the evil desires are what we had when we didn't know Jesus. That's the before picture. Remember that picture of our story? If you're a Christian person who is now following Jesus, he's your Lord, your boss, your king. The before that is that those desires. So you can probably think about them in your life. Uh, what about um, 2 Peter verse 1, uh, 2 verse 1, I should say. Chapter 2 verse 1, Peter defines what those desires or passions are. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. So there's some more examples of what these evil desires might be. And over again, what about chapter 4, verses 2 and 3? Chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Uh, so speaking of arming ourselves with the example of Jesus, as a result, he, that's someone who does arm himself with the example of Jesus, uh, 4 verse 2, as a result, he who does... Uh, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. So these are human desires, not God's desires. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans, non-believers, choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. There's some examples. But here, here's the reality. Look at 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9. Sorry, a bit of Bible flicking. I hope you're keeping up, but it's important. The spiritual reality is that the devil prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for someone to kill, not scratch a little bit, someone to kill, looking for someone to tear away from following Jesus. The devil is looking for someone to stop trusting in his word. The devil is on about death. He wants death. He's the enemy, our adversary, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says. The devil's desire is for you to stop reading your Bible. That's his desire. His desire is for, for us to stop meeting together. His desire is for us to get a little bit lazy about meeting together and see it as not so important. His desire is for us to stop praying. The, de the devil's desire is for us to not get home and to not trust in Jesus. See, sinful desires, whatever they are, whether they're dishonesty or hypocrisy or gossip, greed, slander, lust, envy, drunkenness, God says they're not harmless. You get that? They're not harmless. They're not, 
they're not innocent. They're not benign. As if that's just all they'll be and they'll just sit there. They don't do that. They are like an awful cancer. It spreads. They are adversaries, these sinful desires, that are out to get us, waging war against us, tearing us away from Jesus and ultimately away from heaven. How does it work though? Ever thought about that? We've all experienced it, these sinful desires waging war against us. How does it work? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, In fact, even better, let God give us as an example. Um, (laughs) Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, sorry, Proverbs chapter 7. Seven. I'm after. So it's on. If you've got a uh, church Bible there, it's on page 631. Proverbs chapter 7. And what we'll find here is one such example of these sinful desires warring against our soul. Proverbs 7. And we'll start at verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street corner near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. So I come out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with coloured linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloe and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words... She led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Deceit, lies, uh, Love without cost. So we see that example. Friends, it doesn't generally happen suddenly that we stop abstaining, um, that we, uh, we push Jesus away. You see, it happens over time when we, we push Jesus to the side and we say, God and your word, uh, it's not really that relevant. It's relevant might be here, but it's not really relevant there that we push him away. And the result, Proverbs 7 says, is devastating. It's devastating. Have a look at verse 24. He says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. 
Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many other victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. It's a pretty strong word, isn't it? These sinful desires, are whatever they may be, whether it's a situation like that or, or whatever, whatever they may be, uh, they're not benign, they're not innocent. So Peter says, abstain because they war against your soul. They war against your soul. You might well be thinking, you know what? That's all well and good, Graham. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But I'm finding that really hard. I'm struggling. I can't do it. This following Jesus thing, that's really tough. And I keep stuffing up. I don't feel like I'm winning the war at all. Let me ask you one question. I, I, I wonder if you are trying to do it on your own. I wonder if you're trying to do it on your own. Did you know that uh, we've spent a bit of time jumping a bit around 1 Peter, but most of what, if you want to flick back to 1 Peter 2 again, from verse 4 onwards, and we probably could go back further, I'd have stopped at verse 4, but from verse 4 onwards, uh, through to these extraordinary verses, we've all learnt off by heart, yes, in verses 9 and 10, yes, good, um, and now again in verses 11 and 12, you know they're all plural? It's all plural. In other words, every time we read a you, we should be saying use. <laughs> use, hey, use. That's what we should be saying. Problem is it's not really the Queen's English, is it? Um, use. We had some Texan friends in Dubai and what did they say? You are? I can't really do it. I could never do it. I think it's like you all. You are? Anyway, it's horrible. But use. use. In other words, this is the point that Peter's making here. That God's made. You're not meant to do it on your own. You're not meant to. In fact, it's very, very hard to follow Jesus on your own. I dare say, impossible. We are meant to follow Jesus together, as a team. It's why this, what we're doing today, is so, so important. And not primarily for yourselves. We don't come to church for a bit of a top-up. No, we actually come to church to top up others. We come to church to encourage others. It's a team. It's why small groups are so important. Meeting together in small groups. See, that's where we can encourage each other. That's where we can help each other. That's where we can pray for each other. That's where we can challenge each other as we open God's word together. And as we say, we won't push Jesus to the side. We won't do it. And we won't do it together. We will make it home. We'll stay alive. We'll abstain. We'll keep coming to Jesus. And we'll do that together. Small groups such as these ought to be the heart and soul of God's church. They are the centre of discipleship. Discipleship is one of those funny Bible words. All it really means is disciple means um, you're a learner and Jesus is your teacher. That's all it means. So we follow Jesus. We learn from him and follow him and, and uh, what he says. Uh, small groups are the heart of pastoral care. They're the first stop of caring for each other. Where you know you'll be cared for and you'll know you'll be loved. Now... If you're not in a small group, if you're not in a small group that treats God's word seriously, that cares for each other, that meets regularly, come and see me. 
Um, join up. You are missing out. You're missing out. If you know someone, uh, know of someone who's not in a small group and you're in one, invite them to yours. Don't have closed groups. Let's make them, if they're, and they're too big, oh, we might split them. That's okay. That'll be fine. Um, we want them to grow. We want more people being cared for and loved. That's what we want. Uh, more people who together abstain. And, and together, we'll see in a moment, live such good lives. Over the next few months, uh, I'm going to be talking a fair bit more about small groups. We're going to start training our leaders because we want our leaders, the leaders of these small groups, we want them to do the best job possible in teaching God's word and, and discipling others, uh, caring for others and teaching our people to care for others. So we're going to train our leaders. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to be fantastic. Um, we're going to aim to start some new groups as well which means we're going to need people to lead those groups and people to lead them and to be trained and so on. That's going to be really exciting. More people getting together, uh, encouraging each other, loving each other with their Bibles open and abstaining and growing together and coming to Jesus together. Uh, if that might be you, come and talk to me. See how we go. Okay, so there's the first of our two appeals. First of our two appeals abstain is the first one abstain what about the second the second one well you see it in verse 12 there live such good lives in other words live honorably verse 12 live such good lives among the pagans that just means non-believers though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us let me be honest for a minute um some, some days I find it really hard and hard to comprehend, to understand to, in this day that Christians can, could be maligned as dishonourable, that Christians could be accused of doing wrong uh, as evildoers, as the ESV translation puts it. Now, Peter here in verse 12 is not talking about Christians who do do wrong, who do awful things. That is horrible. Now, he's talking about everyday followers of Jesus. Just everyday followers of Jesus who identify as Christians, as identify as followers of Jesus who are obedient to God's word and yet are accused of doing wrong. I don't know if this picture helps. It was floating around the internet the other day. Um, can you see it all right? Um, it's sort of funny, but it's not. Identify as a woman. Go great. Awesome. You're stunning. Identify as an African-American. You're an inspiration. He's, she's obviously white. Uh, beautiful, yes. Uh, identify as a cat. Good for you, meow. You know, so brave, hero. Identify as a Christian. Boo, weirdo. Stop living a fairy tale. Uh, that's the world we live in. Um, it, it's sort of funny, but it's not. You know what I mean? Um, that, that, that's the world we live in. Let, let me give you some examples of what Peter's talking about, I think, in the world today. Uh, when... Every day, followers of Jesus uh, get accused of doing wrong, get maligned as doing evil. For example, when we speak out against drunkenness, well, we're labelled a bore and obnoxious and taking the fun out of life. When we warn about casual sex, we're prude and stuck in the past. When we speak out against homosexual marriage, we're bigots, homophobes, and moral dinosaurs. 
when we speak out against abortion, well, we're denying the right of a woman to control her own body. My version of good is their version of evil. Friends, this ought to remind us, as Peter says, that we do not belong. That's what it ought to remind us. That we do not belong. We're not locals. This is not our home. Heaven's our home. Now, our response is not to protest and and picket and cause and make a fuss. That's not our response. What does the Bible say here? Um, you see, no, only the good, only the news of Jesus will, only the, only the news of Jesus will people see good as good. Only through that. Now, our response is to live such good lives. That's our response: to live such good lives, so that our good deeds will point them to Jesus and His saving work on the cross. That's what we're going we're gonna to celebrate today: Jesus' saving work on the cross for our sin. We point people to that. And we do it with our good deeds. And then like us, hopefully one day those people too will, will glorify God when Jesus returns to judge. There's a good example of that in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The, the unbelieving believing husband may be won over by the purity, uh, behaviour and reverence of the believing wife. There's lots of other examples in 1 Peter. We'll, 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 have a, other, other, we'll have a flick through a few of them. Other examples of living such good lives. Our submission to rulers and authorities, uh, Peter goes on to talk about in the end of chapter 2. Showing proper respect for everyone, uh, following the example of Jesus, who suffered for doing what was good and did not retaliate. What he did, he entrusted to God, who judges just, justly. What about chapter 3, verses 8 and 9? Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Uh, love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to do this, you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Uh, flip over the page to chapter 4, verses 8 and 11. Or 8 to 11. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Let's encourage one another to live such good lives. Now, one way we can do that, we just read about in verses 10 and 11 there, one way we can do that is by serving each other. And an easy way to serve is by serving here at church as we gather together. Now, at the back of the notice board, uh, up there somewhere on a clip and around the front and over there too, what you'll find is these, these little... um, Slips, let's just call them that. At the top it says, St John's Parish Ministry Opportunities. Look how many there are. Isn't that wonderful? There's probably more that weren't mentioned because Grace ran out of space. There's lots of opportunities to serve one another, from cleaning toilets to vacuuming to caring for our kids. Let's not get stuck, though, in a, in a bad theology of gifting. In other words, using uh, the bad theology of gifting as an excuse. So, uh, packing up chairs, oh, it's not my gift. It's 
It's not my gift. <laughs> my gift is, I don't know, <laughs> eating the morning tea. Uh, friends, let me say it very clear today, and this is the first public church announcement maybe, everyone has the gift of cleaning toilets. Everyone, all right? There is a great need right now um, for teachers in our kids' church, our Sunday school. Uh, Sarah has been working her butt off uh, all term and uh, someone's up again next term. Uh, I haven't looked at the roster to see who it is. But um, we need teachers. We need people who come in and commit themselves to those young kids and, and be part of the wonderful blessing it is to teach young people about Jesus. We need them. We need people to, to stand up and do that. Uh, it's, we have a growing children's ministry. See how many kids we've got? It's fantastic. It's the best problem any church could have. Kids are part of our church. Uh, they're just as much part of our church as we are. We need to teach them appropriately, which doesn't mean they sit through one of my sermons. We, we teach them well over there. Uh, we need helpers to teach our children. So if you think you can do that, even now and then, See Sarah today, come and see me, I'll probably say go and see Sarah, but uh, see Grace, Grace is away unfortunately this weekend, but see her as well, um, serve, it's, it's a great thing. Okay, let's tie some things together, let's, uh, let's close. Over the last four weeks, we've thought about who we are, thought about who we are, we're, we're royal royal priesthood, holy nation, a, a people belonging to God, chosen by God. We're, we're not silent. We're going to declare his praises because he's brought us out of, out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's the gospel message. If you know that message, if you know God's love for you, you're going to declare it. We're free. In other words, as we come to Jesus, the... the we're free from the penalty of our sin by God's mercy. God has forgiven us as a Christian person. Come to Jesus if you haven't. Do it today. And finally, we are here. Followers of Jesus, those who come to him, are not at home. We're not locals here. We're not locals. Our home is heaven. That's that inheritance that's given to followers of Jesus by the mercy of God. Yet we are here. So Peter urges us to abstain. Abstain from sinful desires which characterize life here and instead live lives which reflect where we're going and what God has done for us, which are obedient to Jesus and his word. Our sinful desires, you see, they've declared war on our souls. The devil wants to see us not get home. But the message here is to stay alive and we stay alive by abstaining, by coming to Jesus and trusting him. And as we live such good lives, we may well cause those who accuse us of doing wrong to one day glorify God when Jesus returns. And wouldn't that be just fantastic? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessing it is of knowing you. Thank you, God, that you have brought us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Thank you for the mercy you've shown to us on the cross. Lord, today, if we haven't 
already. We, we put our trust in you. Lord, let, let today be the day where we, we say we want to follow you, Lord Jesus. Lord, today be the day that we ask you to take us home, take us to heaven. And Lord, as, as we do that, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to abstain. Thank you you've given us your spirit to help us to abstain from those sinful desires which war against your soul. And Lord, help us to live such good lives as we do that. We pray for our community. We thank you for it. We thank you for our good friends around the neighbourhood here. We pray that you give us opportunities to talk to them about the good news that, that anyone can have as they come to Jesus. So Lord, we, uh, we, we uh, thank you for uh, today and, uh, and your word. Uh, Lord, um, uh, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper now, help us to remember the, the death that you have given us, Lord Jesus, and the life you have won for us in that death. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, next week we're going to start a new, um, a, a new series which leads us up to Easter. Easter's coming pretty soon, at uh, the end of March. So we're going to start sort of in Luke 22. And um, if you want to do a bit of reading at home, then um, open your Bibles up to... Well, you're probably going to read the, read the whole of Luke's Gospel, really. But if you want to start at Luke 22 and start reading there, that'll be just tops. Okay. Thanks, Dennis.